Hey, what's up, Parker? Hey there, Omar. Oh, hey, what's, what's up, up, Watson? Good afternoon, Parker and Omar. Hey there everyone, welcome to What's Up Watson. My name is Parker Merritt. And I'm Omar Farid. If this is your first time joining us, Parker and I are data and AI technical specialists here at IBM. So we focus on helping our clients integrate some of the most cutting edge data science solutions on the market. In our previous episode, we explored the world of conversational AI and talked about some of the game-changing applications of Watson Assistant, IBM's premier chatbot building platform. And this week, we're going to be digging into Watson Discovery, an AI solution that we like to refer to as IBM's Insight Engine. Using Watson Discovery, our clients are extracting an incredible amount of value from their unstructured data. Just like our first episode, we're going to kick things off by talking about some of the most intriguing use cases and case studies we've seen in action. Omar, would you mind walking us through our first use case? Sure thing. So one thing that should never be underestimated is the power of leveraging structured and unstructured data for quick responses to even the most unexpected circumstances. As we've seen this year, since March, COVID-19 has rapidly spread throughout the world, causing a major global pandemic. With the rapid spread, global citizens simply lacked local resources of current and accurate information such as trend rates, confirmed cases, and deaths. It became clear to IBM that the world population could benefit from reliable data analysis and processing by leveraging data and AI technologies. This is where Watson Discovery comes into action. To fill the gap of missing essential information on the pandemic, the Weather Channel combined the power of Watson Discovery with Watson NLP to create a fully interactive incident map. How does it work? Well, first, it uses Watson NLP to extract data straight from the World Health Organization, as well as state and local agencies. Next, Watson Discovery extracts insights from unstructured data such as PDFs, HTML, tables, and images while leveraging its natural language capabilities to extract insights from natural language text. Together, these two technologies have populated the map with the latest and most up-to-date information. Today, the Weather Channel COVID-19 incident map provides localized reports in the United States down to the zip code. And to give you some reference, there is 41,701 zip codes in the United States. The solution went live on the Weather Channel website and app on the evening of Monday, March 30th. Within just three hours on Monday night, a million unique users had visited the platform. The platform hosted another 3.5 million users on Tuesday and another 6 million on Wednesday. Now, there are over 300 million monthly visitors that are now using the solution to access county-specific COVID-19 information. The site automatically detects the user's geographic coordinates to deliver trusted data from governments, the World Health Organization, and the Center of Disease Control, or the CDC. So since deploying the solution, there has been an interest from government officials, hospitals, and supply chain logistics organizations. These leaders are interested in using this local tool to analyze trend curves in local communities and redeploy resources to communities in need. Awesome case study, Omar. It's really great to see the impact a solution like Watson Discovery can have during this time of critical need. But this isn't the only scenario where an AI insight tool can add value. 
there's also a number of more recreational use cases. Now, if I had to guess, we probably have a few sports fans in the audience today. Feel free to show some team pride here in the comments. For me, it's a go Gators. Nothing better than some Florida football, in my opinion. As we all know, the ongoing pandemic has had some pretty major disruptions for regular sports play. Football can feel unpredictable and chaotic as is, with injuries, surprise wins and losses, and of course the occasional athlete-celebrity drama. But with the addition of rescheduled games and bench players due to COVID-19, fans are having a harder time keeping up than ever before. Unsurprisingly, all of this chaos is beginning to spill over into what many fans consider to be their favorite part of the season, playing fantasy football. It's hard to make a good judgment call about which players to draft or trade with this absolute fire hose of information. TV sports news, official team announcements, even tweets and social media interactions. All of this is way too much unstructured data for any one person to keep score of. If this all sounds familiar, that's because this is exactly the issue our enterprise clients deal with on a daily basis. Just like our fantasy players, workers are forced to sift through tens of millions of documents and data points, looking for the one piece of information that meets their objectives. However, just as our business users can use the power of Watson AI for inside extraction, so too can our fantasy players. Traditionally, sports networks like ESPN have only been able to provide their fans with limited sets of analytics based on structured data. Hard numbers based on throws, yards, touchdowns, but they weren't able to involve much unstructured data. Things like the opinions of experienced sports writers, or hardcore football analysts, or tens of millions of fans around the world. Recognizing this opportunity to provide fans with a richer, more informed gaming experience, ESPN partnered with IBM to infuse Watson Discovery right into their own fantasy football app. Thanks to Watson's supercharged natural language processing capabilities, ESPN was able to provide their fans with a powerful new capability for their fantasy tool belt, rolling out the player insights with Watson feature. This feature has actually been implemented for four separate fantasy football seasons now, and the results are astounding. After analyzing tens of millions of documents providing natural language details about 1,900 players across 32 teams, Watson has been able to deliver 25 billion insights to fantasy players, allowing them to make smarter decisions about how to build out their roster. Using Watson's insights, one IBM data scientist actually built out his own undefeated fantasy football team, running the table with a 13-0 record. Not to mention, last year I used Watson Insights to build out my own dream team. And while I didn't go undefeated, I still took first place, much to the dismay of my coworkers. Take that, Bobby. Although Watson Discovery has been a valuable component in ESPN's fantasy football app for years now, Watson's AI Insights have only gotten better. As you might remember from our first episode, groundbreaking capabilities from IBM's Project Debater are now being worked into Watson AI apps and solutions. This has helped our clients develop all kinds of innovative new features. This year, ESPN leveraged this improved AI stack to create Trade Assistant with Watson. Using the same tech that powered Project Debater, fantasy footballers can now use AI to examine the fairness and value of every trade, and Watson even offers up his own ideas for which players you should exchange. So Omar, between these two case studies, it's clear that Watson Discovery has a ton to offer our clients. Whether you're sharing critical healthcare resources or researching the perfect fantasy football trade, Watson Discovery's got you covered. Now, momentarily here, we'll be speaking with a very special guest, Phil Anderson, one of the lead offering managers for our Watson Discovery platform. But first, let's dig into some technicals. Omar, I challenge you. Can you explain Watson Discovery in one minute or less? In under a minute, here's how Watson Discovery is unique from any solution on the market in learning the language of your business. It achieves this by using smart document understanding, relevancy training, and content mining. So let's get into it. First, with Smart Document Understanding, or SDU, 
you can without any coding visually label the text within your unstructured data. Here we leverage visual recognition as well as machine learning to learn from the document's labels and then reapply them to other documents. As a result, Watson Discovery will provide you with the most accurate information and precise passages. Next we have relevancy training. Here we can control which answers are displayed given a specific query to increase answer relevancy over time. Discovery allows you to provide this feedback in two ways, by either providing feedback directly within the tooling or by enabling a real-time continuous machine learning tool system powered by feedback provided straight from your users. Last we have content mining. Here we understand context, relationships, and patterns inside your data. In real time, content mining is a data mining capability that allows you to search across your documents and explore text analytics results, relationships, and how different elements of your content change over time. And that's Watson Discovery in just under a minute. All right, thank you so much, Omar. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and kick it off with our interview with Phil Anderson. Phil is the lead product manager for Watson Discovery, which is IBM's cutting edge AI insight engine. Thank you so much for joining us today, Phil. Can you tell us a little bit about your role? Sure, well, thanks for having me, Parker. Um, so at, at IBM, uh, we call product managers offering managers. Um, it's uh, essentially the role is for us to be the voice of the customer when designing our products, right? So offering managers um, frequently meet, meet with customers, talk with sales, do market research, kind of understand the demand uh, in the marketplace and what our customers' needs are, and then work with a, an engineering team to really um, deliver that, that offering to, to market. So, um, you know, and, and that, that comes in a variety of forms, right? From uh, let, let's say I talk to Delta and they are describing some problem they have. Um, you know, typically what we'll do is we'll take that back and work with design and engineering and really understand like how could we build um, something into our offering that would help them with that problem. And then, uh, you know, do a lot of work in terms of trading off priorities of like, well, we could do this thing for Delta or we could do these 10 other things for these other customers. And, you know, how do we how do we figure out what the right thing is to build? Right. So it sounds like you're at sort of the intersection of a lot of different roles. Um, and in, in terms of what you work on specifically with Watson Discovery, just to give people a little bit of context, could you describe in your own words what Watson Discovery is and what people are using it for? Sure. So um, I, I like talking about Watson Discovery by first talking about like the history of like what came before it. So. Uh, in 2014, IBM acquired, a, maybe it's 2012, acquired a company called Vivisimo, which was an enterprise search product. So for years, um, enterprise search is kind of what you'd see on the W3, like internet search, right? You're trying to search for something to find a document. Um, and for years, really, it was considered that that was like a solved marketplace, that there was really nothing more you could do with enterprise search, and um, that, that it was kind of not a place to, to compete in necessarily anymore. But uh, with the evolution of a lot of the AI technologies that, you know, you originally saw in Jeopardy, right, um, and, and a lot of the stuff research was doing under the Watson brand, we realized that you could actually do um, a next level of solving these problems. And so what discovery is, is it's really taking that next generation of AI research uh, and tackling at this problem of really getting answers from unstructured documents. And when I say unstructured documents, I mean, you know, everything from a hundred page uh, product manual to uh, you know, a 10 page contract and, you know, kind of everything in between, right? Like humans today are physically looking through these things, you know, can we use this next generation AI to really be able to uh, pull out those insights in a much more rapid manner? So that's kind of what Discovery does, is it just takes unstructured data and makes sense of it for customers. Gotcha. And I, I do want to hit on uh, some of that bringing the market leading research into the picture later. But real quick, I just wanted to talk about obviously the ladder to AI is a big focus here at IBM. 
So one of the biggest questions we have is, how does an organization know when it's time to get started with a solution like Watson Discovery? Do they need anything else in place first or can they just kind of hit the ground running? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, so we see customers really kind of all uh, on the different, or all throughout the rungs of the, the AI ladder. Um, so sometimes uh, customers will come to us with just the specific problem, right? Hey, we, we're, we've already gone uh, cloud native, we're already container based, we've already got a lot of this other stuff, but you know what? We haven't been able to crack this nut of being able to apply NLP towards our unstructured data, right? We still have some significant problem in our organization. Um, other times you get companies that are just, you know, they're they're at, at ground one, right? They, they're, not, they're not in the cloud, they're uh, completely, um, you know, using maybe old on-prem software that's that's uh, 20, 30 years old. Uh, but really what I say would make a good fit for a discovery customer is if your, uh, your knowledge workers are spending a significant amount of their time today um, looking for or reading uh, data. So a couple of examples I can think of. Uh, one of our customers, um, Honda, uh, of North America, they uh, had this problem where customers would call in or they would email, they would send chats to agents in terms of like questions about their car model, right? Because car, car manuals now are like a thousand pages. I have a hot odyssey. It's literally like a thousand pages. So you have a question like, how do I pair the Bluetooth? How do I whatever? You're Somebody is sitting there spending the time calling, trying to find an answer, get that out of there. Well, with Discovery, they're now able to simply take that natural language question from a customer via a chatbot, via Watson Assistant, and the customer could say something like, how do I pair my Bluetooth? And we're able to get that answer from that thousand page manual, return it immediately to the customer, uh, and save not only agent time, but customer time. Uh, and that's just one of the many examples, right? So any use case where somebody would be physically spending a lot of time looking through documents, some other ones would be in uh, like uh, accounting, uh, auditing, financial contract review, all these things. That's where discovery really starts to add a lot of value, saving that time for those people to do something much, much higher value. Gotcha, yeah. And we've kind of hinted at this throughout some of these use case discussions, but I was just wondering, what do you think are some of the biggest benefits of Watson Discovery, whether that be KPIs or qualitative benefits, and what are some of the lesser known and underrated benefits as well? Yeah, good question. I mean, um, you know, there's there's a lot of benefits in terms of accelerating the, the you know, the UCS I just mentioned in terms of accelerating the time that someone would normally spend reading. But what I really like to look at it is in terms of like where we differentiate, right? So if you look at discovery versus something else in the market, some of the benefits are that we actually have an interface that business users themselves can use to train AI. So there's a lot of AI technologies out there. You can go really deep with things like TensorFlow and write all these models and neural networks and get data scientists involved. Um, but discovery actually brings it up a level. So we have some technologies like Smart Document Understanding and Watson Knowledge Studio that allows someone like me, a product manager, uh, our, our offering manager, to actually train the, the models and visually see um, how Discovery is learning the structure of the document to be able to extract it, right? And so that's something we don't see anywhere else in the marketplace. Normally you would say, hey, data scientists go build this model and then it's a one-off thing that's unscalable. So that's really kind of, I'd say like the obvious benefit of Discovery is that we um, kind of democratize AI to a point that someone that's a business user can actually get value of it, which of course saves them development time, saves them uh, maintenance. I'd say some of the less obvious things are just we, we have like many levels of this types of training. Um, so there's the things we market with like smart document understanding, but then we also have um, a lot of new innovative features that I, I see customers just kind of exploring today, such as um, dynamic facets um, or domain vocabulary, which allow you to rapidly train 
uh, NLP models. Uh, and again, the benefit to the customer is that the they're spending less and less time training and more and more time getting insights uh, from, from their data. Gotcha. Yeah, it definitely sounds like Watson Discovery is one of those solutions where customers are getting access to some of the most innovative features coming out of IBM. So kind of in that same vein, Phil, I believe you were part of the team that helped introduce uh, Watson Discovery's groundbreaking visual markup features known as smart document understanding. So can you just dig into that a little bit and tell us what it was like to take a technology that originated in IBM research and help introduce it to the market? Yeah, honestly, that's it's probably one of the most exciting parts of my job is working with um, research, right? So we have, I forget exactly how many research labs around the world, but we specifically, the Discovery team, primarily work with three, uh, maybe four research labs. So there's a Tokyo lab, a Haifa lab, uh, Zurich, and then I think we also work with the um, India research lab. And so there's kind of two ways we work with research. And I'll talk about the specific example you mentioned in, in a second, but I'll talk in general how we work. So typically, what we've tried to do is really um, bring real business problems to the research teams um, so they can work on something they call AI challenges. So a typical uh, thing would be we'd say, hey, look, you know, we have a customer, they're using discovery, um, they're able to get uh, the right document, but you know, what we, they're asking us for is how do we get a summary of this document so we don't need to read this, right? So we would then give this kind of challenge to research and say, here's the challenge, here's the customer data. Like go figure, go smart, see smart people in research, go figure out how this is possible to be done. And, and then through a multi-month, multi-year process, sometimes we can bring down the product. Now, smart document understanding was a little different. Uh, this one was actually almost kind of, uh, I would say like a happy coincidence. Um, so we, uh, we, we launched Discovery at the end of 2016. And in 2017, I started hearing from um, sellers that uh, there was some cu com customers, specifically, I think Cisco was the example, that were really um, solving some of their problems in this new innovative way through this technology um, that was called, at the time, the uh, Corpus Conversion Service out of Zurich. And um, so what we did is we went over to, to the Zurich lab. We, we met with Costas uh, Peter and, and some of the team over there. And they showed us what they're doing and it was it was really interesting. I mean, they were really treating um, their research almost like a startup. They had a bunch of customers, they had they were doing agile, they were, uh, you know, very <laughs> innovative. And it just turned out this solved our, our customer's number one problem, which was, um, and it's, it's a problem honestly we had for search in years, which is there's so much noise in documents, there's parts that are more valuable than others, and they just happened to have solved it with a really, really uh, intuitive UI. Um, so it was a great, good opportunity to say, hey, look, this is exactly what we need. Uh, and then we could pair them with our development team um, to be able to really productize that and bring it to market. And, and it was really an industry first that we're, we're now seeing some competitors like uh, Amazon and Adobe, you know, potentially get into that space. But we were years ahead of the, of the field. And again, it was really that close connection between the product teams and, and real customer problems. Right. Wow. Yeah, that really must be exciting, not only working with research, but, you know, different teams with IBM research around the world. So that is really a cool origin story for that feature. Speaking kind of more broadly about your role as an offering manager, um, when it comes to managing an offering like Watson Discovery, how exactly do you decide what features to prioritize? Can you describe some of those inputs and processes? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'd say this is the hardest thing about being uh, an offering manager, and, and I'll tell you that the. Um, I think Steve Jobs or somebody said it like the best product managers are those that say no uh, nine times out of ten or something like that, right? So, and saying no is extremely hard. Uh, I'll just give you an insight to, to how a typical day for me goes, right? Uh, 
five sellers will ping me uh, saying, hey, this deal <laughs> needs this feature uh, to, to, to close, right? So can you put this feature in your roadmap? Um, an executive comes to me and says, hey, we have this strategic uh, uh, thing we need for Cloud Factor data that needs to be in this release. Um, uh, you know, a customer reaches out and says, I'm really struggling and I need to have this thing fixed or, or solved, right? In, in addition to the technical team saying, hey, we have technical debt we need to solve. And then we have things we want to bring up from research, right? So that's, you know, at least 10 different priorities competing together. So how does how does an offering manager or product manager decide which one of those to do? And, it, and, it, and it's honestly like the core of the job. So the first thing we do is we really try to create a framework or a lens of saying, what makes sense in our product? Uh, one of the biggest difficulties I see in offering management is a lot of times people will do the kind of whatever they heard last, right? So I have a really exciting customer meeting with a client. They have a really big opportunity. Maybe it's a million dollars or whatever. And I say like, oh yeah, we should just do this feature, right? Because I heard about it. It's a million dollars. But if it doesn't fit into like the the like kind of lens of what your product does, it's something, you know, totally different than 90% of your customers would need. You're going to start creating a product that's a giant mess, right? These are like, we've all used products like this where they have a million random features. It's so hard to navigate around. And yes, maybe you got that million dollars, but it probably at the cost of $10 million later down the road because you made a really complex product. So that's the very first thing we do is just apply this lens of like, what is our product? What is our vision? What makes sense there? That helps eliminate some percentage of these requests. The second thing we do is really say, you know, what is the effort of building this feature? So usually I'd say nine times out of 10, the, the requests we get, the features, et cetera, the things we want to put on our roadmap are reasonable. They're things that make sense to do. They fit with the lens. So how do you figure out which one to do? Um, so what I like to do is apply kind of a value formula. So we take the effort of building it um, and then the value it will produce. And so that value could be in terms of like a user completing their task 10% faster. It could be in closing $10 million more revenue, et cetera. And then the effort of actually building it. So if something takes a year to build and delivers a 10% increase in revenue, that's worse than something that takes a week to build and increases 5% of revenue, right? Because the the, um, the opportunity is quicker. So, you know, uh, a mix of kind of sizing these things with our opportunity, and then you're able to kind of create a prioritization lens around that. Right. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. Just the, the value the product will actually create once it's out there in the field. So um, really, thanks for joining us today. I do have one last question before we wrap things up. Uh, you don't have to give us specifics in terms of what's actually on the roadmap, but we're just wondering, what do you see on the horizon, not only for Watson Discovery and inciting extraction, but also for AI and business in general? Yeah, I mean, I think so. The, there's probably two two big things I would talk about here. So the first is really where IBM strategy is in general, I think is where the market is going. So what we saw you know, 20 years ago was you had a bunch of prepackaged software that would run on-prem. Um, and then 10 years ago, we started seeing everybody going to clouds. But the problem is you started having this kind of like cloud lock-in, right? You had to be, um, have Amazon products and Amazon's cloud, Google products on Google's cloud. And we saw a lot of industries kind of standardizing on one of these things, like, oh, I'm a Microsoft shop, so I got Microsoft. And that kind of locks them out of certain things. Like maybe an IBM technology really solves that. So one thing we're really seeing is this hybrid cloud evolution that you'll hear Arvind talk about a lot. And I, re I really do think that's the future, right? Where you can run IBM and other software on multiple clouds or on-prem, kind of wherever you need to be, we can deliver the AI there. So that's kind of like, I'd say the tactical future. In terms of the functional like AI future, 
Um, I think what we're going to see is, is more and more um, tasks that we didn't think were possible to use AI in the past um, are, are going to start coming to fruition. So I'll tell you the one that I've heard from probably 100 customers that, that I really do see um, being there in four or five years, which is um, the ability to do a generative summarization of a document. So today, uh, and just to give you an example of what that means is, um, you know, imagine you're an oil worker um, offshore. Every night you have to produce some sort of report that talks about what happened, right? Uh, there was a fire, uh, there was no incident, somebody lost an arm, whatever. whatever. Um, if somebody has to physically read through that, it's time spent, right? If we can summarize that and say, hey, here's the highlights, right? There was a fire, like somebody got injured, uh, a new basin was found or whatever, right? It saves them that time, that kind of generative summarization um, I really think is something we're going to see becoming a reality in a couple of years. Um, it's going to deliver significant client value. Awesome. Yeah, that really is a exciting look on the horizon. Um, so again, Phil, thank you for taking the time to spend this conversation with us today. You provided a lot of great recommendations and insights for our clients. Any last parting words uh, or recommendations before we go? No, I mean, I'd recommendation I'd say if you haven't tried Discovery, it's free to sign up for in the cloud. Uh, go check it out, of course, and uh, you know, let, let me know your feedback. I'll be happy to add it to that prioritization lens. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, lots of stakeholders. Well, thank you so much, Phil. Thanks, Parker. Great interview, Parker. And Phil's expertise on insight extraction really helped cement some of the key benefits of Watson Discovery. And it was awesome to hear about this topic from the perspective of an offering manager. Absolutely. And it was really interesting hearing about how IBM research contributes to the product development process. Smart document understanding really is one of the most powerful features of Watson Discovery. And it sounds like there are even more innovative features in the works as we speak. Without a doubt. Really looking forward to seeing where Watson Discovery goes next. In the meantime, check back with us on our next episode to learn more about one of the most intriguing topics in the data world, hybrid cloud. We'll be talking about how businesses are working to integrate their existing on-premises IT investments with new applications of the cloud, public and private. Not to mention, we'll dig into some of the most powerful use cases for cloud packed for data, IBM's integrated hybrid cloud-ready analytics platform. With all that said, really appreciate everybody joining us for this episode. As always, if you have any additional questions about the data and AI world, feel free to reach out to us directly. Thanks everyone. We'll see you all soon.